ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I really need your help. We need your help. Help me, Maggie. What should I do? Please help, Maggie. I'm Maggie Dent, and in these special Help Me Maggie episodes on Parental as Anything, you get to ask me the sticky, tricky parenting questions you're dying to get the answers to. How comfortable are you talking to your kids about the R word, racism? If it's not something you have to face regularly, in other words, if you're an Anglo-Australian and your kids are too, then maybe you're not really talking about it as much as you'd like to or as much as you should. So what happens when your kid asks an awkward question, especially in public, about a person of colour or someone who practises another religion? So when they ask her, why is someone wearing a hijab and why is someone speaking in a different language or with an accent, what should she say? And even worse, what do you do if they use a racial slur? In this Help Me Maggie, I'm joined by a very special guest to help answer a question sent in by a mum who is grappling with this very issue. Hi Maggie, I have two young boys, they're six and eight. Things like women wearing a hijab or the accents that people have are starting to become apparent to them and they are beginning to ask questions, sometimes in public. So what I was after uh, was just some advice on how to help raise my boys to become culturally um, aware and just some help to raise them basically not to become racist. Thanks. Dear culturally aware mum, it's great to hear that your kids are noticing the world around them and they're inquisitive and they're curious about the place they live in. And children do start questioning all sorts of things from a very early age, especially diversity of any kind. This is such a great question and I've called in an expert, Ali Kadri, to answer it for us. He's the CEO of the Islamic College of Brisbane, and host of The Swap, a TV show which followed six students from an Islamic school who swapped places with six students from a Catholic college and a secular state high school to see if they could bridge cross-cultural divides. First of all, it's great that the mothers kind of reached out to you and uh, wanting to know how to deal with it because... uh, you know, generally people avoid these kind of discussions or give an answer which they think is the best. And most of the times, you know, unless you talk to multiple people, you don't get an answer. But the best way to, in my opinion, answer that question is simply to say that, look, you know, people are different. And outside and how we live and what we say um, and how we say it, it all depends on, on how our families are, where we come from. And I think that conversation is very important. It's just like, you know, birds are of different colors. So are different human beings of different colors and different birds speak and sing in a different way. So do human beings, but they're all same birds, same uh, human beings. I love it. If a child asks a question that concerns someone standing within earshot or a mum or dad may be talking to, how do they handle it in the moment, Ali? 
I think, look, it's uh, important to not sort of try and embarrass the kids at that time because they may not never actually engage in that question again. So be best to sort of, if they say this in a year shot of someone, say, look, you know, we'll have this conversation later on, darling. Uh, uh, make sure you remind me if I forget. But, uh, you know, I think uh, there'll be, this is not a time and place to have this conversation at the moment. Mummy's busy or dad's busy. And we'll talk about it later on when we get home. Yeah, I had a uh, son that I tried that with when he saw a very small person in the shopping centre and because I ignored him, he got very angry and gets yelled at louder and embarrassed everybody. Yep. Coming down to the child, mm-hmm. when you say that, you know, it really. I'm just going to come down and say it quietly and then the person who's heard it can see that you really are going to talk about it. I think it's also, what is your body doing? Because you would have got a little bit embarrassed in that moment. Oh, look, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, it's it's nerve wracking. It's difficult to have difficult conversations, whether it be with your children or be it with other human beings, other other adults. Once you kind of consciously think about it when you're not in that situation, it becomes easier if you're ever in that situation. Yeah. So for all the listeners who have never been in this situation before, <laughs> I think, you know, having this conversation right now and consciously thinking about it will help them deal with it better if, if they ever face it. Excellent. How can they then get the information and discover it together? Luckily, we live in a a country which is quite multicultural and diverse. And luckily, we celebrate all this in, in our country. So I think there's plenty of resources and genuine resources available and I think it's best to hear from the horse's mouth. So if you have a question about a, a short person or a black person or a brown person, it's always best to ask those people and people who represent that those communities. Having said that, I think it's also important to acknowledge and understand that not every brown, black person is the same. Not every Muslim is the same. Not every Christian is the same. So, you know, there is diversity within diversity and it is complex. But I think, you know, if you explain it to a child in a very simple terms you know, with analogies, you, you, you get through much faster. Sometimes children hear opinions, stereotypes or offensive othering from kids at school or mm-hmm. even within a parent's social group or extended family. So how do parents kind of counteract that messaging? I think it's important to sort of, you know, counter those stereotypes in particular. I mean, if there are stereotypes or stereotypical understandings about communities and cultures, they generally come to kids from, from adults and, and they're exposed to it by people who have sort of ingrained biases have grown up with those kind, that kind of ignorance. So it, it's very important to, uh, you know, meaningfully engage with children, uh, even if they're young, and, and have that conversation with them in a meaningful manner rather than discount it as, you know, he'll grow out of it or, you know, it's not a conversation I want to have right now because I don't have the information. Because in a multicultural and, and diverse world, to be honest, it's not healthy to grow in an exclusive manner, no matter who you are, because, you know, the future of the world is in the collaboration. The benefit of our species is in collaborating with each other. And the best way to do it is to understand that we are all different, but we're all trying to strive and survive and thrive in this planet. And I think when we link it back to family values that in our family, these are the values, you know, we accept diversity and we want to be respectful to others. And that may not be someone else or another family's values. Can we explain it in that way as well? Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, even within the families, sometimes, you know, people differ. Yes. And and I'm sure that the kids see mum and dad argue about a, a food choice, argue about clothing choice, or argue about sometimes political parties, you know, if they're political. And, and those differences are generally very apparent and visible on different things in life. 
as a, if there are differences within the family, there are obviously going to be differences with amongst the neighbors, amongst um, you know fellow countrymen and women. And I think that's a message and that's a value which is very important to teach to children, no matter who they are and in what family or value system they're born in. Sometimes our kids just copy what they hear from other children. Mm -hmm. So if your child uses a racist slur, especially into a public space, Mm -hmm. whether they know what it means or not, how do we have that conversation? The most important thing is just how, you know, when the children use words which are, you know, uh, generally considered as as profanities and, you know, how you deal with that. You deal with that by talking to them and say, look, you know, while this is a word in English language, it's not something you say to people because that is going to make them feel hurt. And, uh, you know, we generally don't want to in everybody, every family, no matter who they are, have this value of not hurting other people unnecessarily. So I think if we have that conversation accordingly, that you won't use a profanity to someone uh, because it's going to hurt them, uh, you're not going to use a racial slur because it's going to hurt that person. Is there anything really they should never say or do as a parent, I'm thinking, is there a really big tip in that space? Look, I I think the biggest thing, uh, which I always say, is that, you know, even as adults, sometimes we are susceptible to bias, right? We all have a bad day. We might make a statement while we are driving. It's very important that if we are conscious that because the kids are like sponge, right? They absorb everything around them. So it's very important that we are conscious about what we are saying, even in, in our worst of times. And if we do slip out and say something, it's very important to sort of come back and say, look, oops, you know, this is not how I'm supposed to behave. So, you know, just another analogy for, if you like, is if you're driving and somebody cuts you off in a really bad way and a profanity (laughs) comes out of your mouth, you know, you realize my son or my daughter is here and you'll be like, oops, I'm not supposed to say that. Same thing, you know, if you are, uh, if you behave in a way which is a racist, then it's very important that, you know, you quickly realize that and say, look, this is a bad behavior. Yeah, this is not something we do in our family. And those are words I don't want to hear from you again. You don't have to hit hurt, punish. You just really step right in very firmly. So what's your best advice to, you know, raising kids who are socially aware who can embrace diversity? Look, I think the best advice is to, and this is what we try to do with this television series we're doing on SBS, uh, The Swap, is to bring children and adults who are of different value system, different backgrounds, come together. You know, in this social experiment, the reason it was born is because as the CEO of the Islamic College of Brisbane, I realized that all my students are Muslims and they're growing up in a, in a mm. silo. And I assume that, you know, once you cross the river on the north side of Brisbane, there are plenty of other students who are growing up in a silo in a state school or, or in a Catholic school. So I decided to sort of break those silos and, and swap kids. And that's why sports and, and, you know, music and drama and everything else is such a beautiful thing. Because when you bring people together, what happens is you can talk about those stereotypes and they start breaking very fast. When I first arrived to Australia as a young man, I had a lot of stereotypes about what Australia is going to be like, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they started breaking as soon as I started engaging and intermingling with people who were different than me. Mm. So as an adult, if I go through that experience, I'm sure if we bring kids together, they will become friends very quickly because I I strongly believe that we are not born with biases. They're learned and they can be unlearned. Yeah. I had a class of year 12s once in my English class and I had noticed that they were quite... uh, 
racist around First Nations people. So I focused the whole curriculum that year with poetry and plays and and novels. And by the end, the shift was profound. We, yeah. When we brought an Aboriginal elder in, the questions were really, really coming from a place now of, of, of a shifted perceptions. One more observation was that, uh, you know, the students, uh, although they were teenagers, uh, were very quickly able to, you know, learn and, and engage with their differences uh, without, uh, you know, shying away from each other or being really, you know, abusive or, or, or disliking each other. And I think that's something which is necessary for adults to learn because even if we grow up, I think what we've learned to grow up with is that, you know, if you're uncomfortable in a situation, you don't try to sort of break the barrier and learn, you just push away or shy away from it. And I think the healthier thing to do is to engage with that difference, try to understand and learn from each other and, and we're better for it, as I said earlier. Mm, I love it. Great advice from Ali Kadri. And next time on Parental as Anything, we really want to protect our kids from injury, no matter what age they are. But what do we do if we discover that they are self-harming? I remember feeling so much heavy emotions that day that I just was like, how else can I make it stop? Find out what you need to know and then what to do if you discover your child is self-harming on Parental as Anything in the ABC Listen app. This episode of Parental as Anything was recorded and produced on Gadigal, Combermere and Turrbal country. Parents and grandparents, if you have curious kids, check out all the amazing free podcasts on ABC Kids Listen. Newstime helps kids understand current events and imagine this answers big science questions that you might not be able to answer. And Little Yarns is all about the diverse languages and stories of Indigenous Australia. Plus, there is music to move to, sounds to help you kids relax and hopefully go to sleep. You'll find them all on the free ABC Kids Listen app.